This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 426. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the console wars have begun. We give you our verdicts on the Sony PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. Apple has also unveiled its own M1 processor and three new Macs with that new chip on board. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to run our eye over the new HomePod Mini. MG has released its first full electric SUV in Australia, and Belkin has launched the Boost Charge wireless charger and speaker, so you can charge your phone and hear your music as well. And we're going to answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and also Norton, the company that keeps you protected. It's the biggest week in gaming that I can remember. It's the same week where we got the Xbox Series X on November 10, and then two days later, the Sony PlayStation 5. And I'm hoping that some of you listening were successful in getting your hands on them. They were very difficult. The pre-orders sold out in minutes and they are now on sale. And if you if you didn't get a pre-order, of course you you've left you got a left uh, you've been left waiting. You may may have some luck in mid-December. There may be some new stock, but otherwise you've got to wait till next year, unfortunately. Now, we were lucky enough, to, of course, to get them to review. We're going to talk about, firstly, the PlayStation 5, and then in the next segment, we're going to talk about the Xbox Series X. But a huge time in gaming, and if you're, if you're new to gaming, boy, what an introduction you can have with the PlayStation 5. Let's kick it off with that. The PlayStation 5 went on sale November 12, as, as we said, 749 bucks. And I've got to say, one of the most flamboyant designs I've ever seen a huge difference but from the previous model there was no let's let's evolve this a little bit let's try to make it a little bit better a little bit different they just threw everything else out the window and said right let's just go for gold here and i've heard it described in many various ways i in one of my reviews last week i said it looked like it was designed by elton john after he had a big night out because it is sort of that flamboyant style and flares poking out and and a very unusual shape it, it did it is quite large it's a lot bigger than the playstation 4 and in my review you'll see that i actually had to adjust some shelving in my in my equipment rack to be able to fit it in because i've got the playstation 5 in my theater so i can play it on my big 150-inch screen with through the Sony 4K projector. So I had to make room in there to uh, accommodate the new PS5. So the PS4 was only like half the depth and nowhere near as wide. The PlayStation 5 is a lot thicker and a lot wider. I think it's 39 centimetres wide. It just fits widthwise into the, into the cabinet, which is the typical size of a component in there. And uh, and also, I had, like I said, I had to adjust the shelf height to uh, to get that uh, in there as well. There's a there's this little like a it's like a big hockey puck. It's what you need if you want to stand the PlayStation Five on its end, which sounds like a good idea. But if you've got the room out there on your cabinet, it's pretty big. You can do that. But what I did, I used that very same hockey puck, which you need to actually rest it on its side because if you rest it on its side without that, it it's actually not even. That, that that's the that's the funny thing about the design. It, it, it'll rock back and forth. Not not that that would make any difference, but I would have, I preferred to have a stable a stable surface and that and that stand that is used to stand it upright all is also required to stand it in a stable way when it's laying on its side, which is what I've done too. And and my model was also the uh, the disc version. There is there is the the digital version. I think if if there's people who are, are really keen to get their hands on a, on a unit and wouldn't mind having the digital-only edition, I think there is some stock around of the digital-only unit. Same for the Xbox. So that's a, something to keep in mind. If, if, you know, if you don't care about having discs or playing movies or having your old PlayStation games, discs on there, of course, they can all be downloaded as well. But that's an option too. 
But anyway, the unit that we looked at was with the onboard optical drive, which can handle 4K UHD discs. And as I said, also backwards compatible to play the old PlayStation 4 games and also can play, of course, not only 4K discs, but also Blu-ray and even DVDs as well. And it also has Wi-Fi 6 on board. This is the latest wireless standard, fastest wireless standard, up to four times faster than the previous. So it's a good idea if you do have the latest routers and mesh Wi-Fi systems, this will fit nicely with that and you'll get some uh, much improved performance on the wireless side. Now the unit itself, uh, there, there's a few, there's two USB ports. There's a USB-C and a USB-3 port on, on the front. On the back is your, your normal LAN port. You've got a high HDMI port, your power input as well. And I think there's another USB port on the back also. So it, it, it took minutes to set up in terms of connecting it to your TV or your projector, whatever setup you've got. It is pretty easy. Uh, when when you turn it on, you'll notice that the the uh, menu system and the interface has changed somewhat. It, it is quite different. It, it it's not not like the crossbar or even much like the PlayStation Four operating system. There, the the whole interface has, I think, been drastically simplified. It's a lot less cluttered now because uh, they've separated the menu system between games and media. So if you want to just stream some content, there is a whole other tab to do that. And then your games are in another tab on their own, so that they've got their own home screen, as does media. So if you want to, if you want to stream content on Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, Apple TV, Stan, it's got all the majors, YouTube, they're all there, uh, and it can also compile suggestions on what you want to watch. If because this, this, don't forget, it's not only a gaming system; it's an entertainment system as well that connects you in 4K, native 4K, just looks incredible. If you've got a, everyone now nearly has a. If you've bought a new TV in the last couple of years, it's a 4K TV, and now finally you can showcase the the, the resolution of that TV with the PlayStation 5. Now, the, the PS5 does have that new operating system, does have a nice clean interface. It also has uh, a 120 hertz refresh rate support. So if you've got a, a recent TV, like an LG OLED, a Samsung QLED T, LED TV, any recently released smart TV, you will be rewarded with the 120 hertz refresh rate because it might not sound like much, but the jump from 60 hertz to 120, it's, it's literally double, of course, if you can do your maths. But in terms of the, the result, the smoothness and the crispness of the, crispness of the image and the clarity, it does make a big difference. And games that are now 4K native with 120 hertz refresh rate running on a, on a platform that has so much processing power it is remarkable difference. It, it games have never looked this good. Remarkable detail. We we kicked off with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. That we'll review that in next week's podcast. And just from from the get go, you'd see the difference in the textures, the detail. You know, right from the sheen of reflection of a character's skin to the way the light falls and plays on an object, little things like that, where just realism like you've never seen before in a game. So. Uh, re- really, really great start. Decent selection of, of exclusive titles, the launch day games, numerous third-party titles, of course, on the way. Uh, and look, there could have been more. I think Xbox, they, they kind of suffered the same thing there with a, a decent opening slate, not, not a huge amount, but a good start nonetheless. Don't forget, this is a marathon, not a sprint, so don't expect all the games to be for PlayStation 5 to be released in the first month. You, you need to uh, have a bit of patience there because... As I said, this isn't this is going to last you for years. This console, PlayStation Four, was around for many, many years. So, PlayStation Five is probably going to last longer than the PlayStation Four. Uh, gameplay uh, is remarkable, but again, uh, the biggest improvement is uh, the controller. Let's talk about the controller. That has had a huge makeover. I, I think that is. I think the secret sauce of PS Five is yeah, the box looks beautiful, but the controller has really stepped up in terms of the. Uh, the quality, the haptic feedback is now a lot, a lot more subtle. Just the, rather than just getting a one-size-fits-all vibration through the game, there are so many subtle little vibrations that can convey a lot more of your experience on the screen. The uh, the triggers are adaptive as well, so a developer can have can change the the performance and the behaviour of those triggers 
playing Call of Duty, it was the same trigger action, but there is the facility there to have adaptive triggers. So you can actually experience, like feel a bit of tension in the triggers and maybe go past one point, say like you hit a turbo boost point. Uh, so plenty of headroom there for developers to play with. The, the controller itself is is a bit weightier. It's a bit heavier than the previous previous model. I think that's probably to do with the improved haptic vibration motors in the, in the unit that may account for that. There's a new share button as well that makes capturing stills and videos really easy. Uh, if you want to record something or take a photo during the game, you simply click on that button just above the D-pad on the left side of the controller, and you can either choose to have to shoot a video or take a quick snapshot, and that then goes into your library that you can then share on social media or wherever you like to share it. There's your other on the other side. You've got your 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 other keys. Your, your cross, your square, your circle, your triangle, your typical PlayStation buttons, and of course, then you've got your left and right thumbsticks as well, and the shoulder buttons also. So button layout virtually identical. There's that extra share button as well on the left, but uh, and again a little bit heavier. And that haptic feedback is just next level on the PlayStation Five. Look, this is of the two. I've got to say, I prefer the PlayStation Five over the over the Xbox Series X. I'm more a PlayStation guy, but that's not to say that the Xbox Series X, which we're going to talk about in a second, isn't any good. Uh, I, I'm, I play probably seventy percent on PlayStation and thirty percent on Xbox. I'm hoping with the Xbox Series X, that's going to change. Uh, hoping to get uh, there's a few games coming through on the Xbox that I'm really excited about, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But the PlayStation Five. If you can get your hands on one, best of luck. I think there is going to be a drop of, uh, I'm hearing from good sources that there will be a drop of more stock in mid-December. So if you're hanging out for one, inquire with your retailer, JB Hi-Fi, EB Games, all the majors, ask one of them and put your name down because they're hoping to get more stock in before Christmas. So keep your eye out for that. But in the meantime... The PlayStation 5, $749 for the, the disc version that we reviewed, and I think it's $599 for the digital edition. If you want to read our complete review, of course, check it out, and there's some good pictures of there. Uh, you'll see it in my in my equipment rack as well. One thing, too, sorry, I forgot to mention earlier, the actual texture on the PlayStation, when you look close enough, the texture on the controller and on the PlayStation console itself, if you look really closely, is made up of little circles, crosses, squares and triangles which are the playstation symbols i think that was a beautiful touch if you want to see that for yourself and check out all our other images of the playstation 5 and read our complete review you know where to head to techguide.com.au this is tech guide with stephen fennec Alrighty, as promised we are now going to talk about the xbox series x and this for, for, there's there's a really what I like about this is there's a real dedicated audience for Xbox players. There's there's rare you find someone who actually owns both platforms. Uh, let me know if that's if that's not the case. If you happen to own both, drop me a line. I'd like to hear your experiences and your opinions too. Uh, but the pa- people who are on the Xbox are very passionate and that they have welcomed this new this new console with open arms the Xbox Series X same price as the as the PlayStation 5 and also uh, on the power side of course I, I didn't really mention on the PlayStation but it, what you'd expect top notch processor SSD drive so solid state drive on both the PlayStation 5 and on the Xbox Series X so that gets you much faster access to your data back to the game quickly there is a there is a, a jump up in speed there, but the in terms of the design, the the Xbox Series X is kind of a it's a really subjective thing. Some some fans are saying, oh, that's it's beautiful. Others are saying it's boring. Uh, I'm kind of caught in the middle. I, I love the simplicity of it. it it's just a, it's just a rectangle. It's just a box. Uh, it does have like a little concave little vent at the top with some green some green highlights un, uh, underneath there. It's got a, a disk drive as well, on, on a little slot on, on the front as well, and just got the single Xbox light on the in the top top left hand corner. If you're looking at it upright, and of course there are little little nodules for you to rest it either on its side or upright. So again, like PlayStation Five, if you want to put it out on display, you can do that. I've actually that's what I've done here. I'm looking at it right now. It is out on display. Or if you want to fit it underneath discreetly in your entertainment unit, you can turn it on its side and it will fit in there. You may need to adjust the shelf like we had to with the PlayStation 5, but it is, uh, it's kind of a 
Take it or leave it. I've heard it called boring. I've heard it called beautiful. I've heard it called ugly. I've heard it called amazing. So uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder there. I don't think it's going to win any beauty contests personally, but it's going to win an arm wrestle because it's got a lot of power. So that's what works. That's the main thing because this isn't something you're going to carry around in your pocket or, or carry around in public. It's uh, what it looks like is kind of irrelevant when you get down to it. When when the games are when the games on, you are uh, you're going hell for leather on the game. The controller is a little disappointing, I'd say. Pretty much identical to the previous Xbox controller, just maybe slightly thinner, similar button layout. Or you get also two now textured grips so that the back of the controller, it does feel grippier in your hand. So during those long play sessions that you can you can uh, get a tighter grip. There is one extra button, like like the PlayStation 5, there's a share button. Uh, and But not much else is different there. Still has the same nice weight to it. I, I did I did feel, though, that the controller still felt very plastic, whereas the, the PS5 controller felt had a slightly better build quality. But again... Both as responsive as each other, both as uh, has all the controls at your fingertips as well. So I think uh, not a deal breaker right there. Uh, in terms of the uh, the inter the user interface, that has had a huge makeover, a lot easier to nav- to navigate now. I found you can still see the Microsoft and Windows DNA there. That's pretty evident. Lots of squares and familiar clusters of menus and options, things like that. Uh, and the the specs, again, 8-core CPU, custom RDNA GPU, 16 gig of RAM, 1 terabyte solid-state drive, virtually identical to the PlayStation 5. There's also support for Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision, so sounding as good as it, as good as it looks as well, uh, and does, too, handle the 120 hertz refresh rate. And as luck would have it, we have not only an LG OLED, but we also have a QLED TV, a Samsung here, and uh, on both, uh, the jump from 60 to 120 is just an unbelievable difference. So I think once you go 120, you're not going to go back. It's like sort of jumping into a car with power steering. You're going to think, wow, how good's this? But then you're not going to ever buy another car without power steering uh, or, or like it's like electric windows on your car. That's kind of the new, the new norm now. That's the new standard that you want. That's what you'll find if you're playing your games on your 4K TV with 120 hertz refresh rate. So if there's any excuse you needed to buy a new TV, update your TV, let this be it for you. Uh, of course, discuss it with the relevant people like uh, your partner or your parents or whoever you need to talk to about it. Now, I think in terms of games, there's uh, not 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 a bad selection of release titles. Uh, like I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla was one. Uh, there's a few others. I think there's the versions of games for the Xbox Series X. I think the NBA game and a few others. There's uh, Dirt 5, Forza Horizon 4. Uh, there's a few. Watch, Watchdog Legions is quite good. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, not a bad selection, but again, this isn't this isn't a one-hit wonder. This is going to be around for years and years, so there is a slew of games that are coming. But having said that, though, I think probably one of the best attractions, one of the best features of the Xbox Series X is the Xbox Game Pass. This is kind of like a Netflix for games. It is incredible value. I think it's only like $16 a month, $15.95 a month for the Game Pass Ultimate, and that gives you access to the latest games and a lot of old favourites. So rather than paying up to 100 bucks a pop for your game, you can access them all through Xbox Game Pass when they come out. So... Like shut up and take my money. That that is a, such a good deal, uh, and something that the PlayStation doesn't have. So that, that's a that, that is a I think a no brainer. Get get into that if you're spending the money on a new console, sixteen dollars a month. That's a, that's a cup of coffee a week that you're paying for all these games that you can get straight away on the Xbox Series X. I think that's remarkable. Uh, the Xbox Series X. Uh, it it could have had more launch titles. Yes, controller not much of an improvement. Yeah, but you know what? They're not deal breakers. This is still a high-quality console that will give you a next-level gaming experience. Uh, We've tried them both, and in terms of just the raw gaming quality, they're both on par. I think the difference is the game you're playing, whether you're an Xbox exclusive or a PlayStation exclusive or a generic game in between. I think like a Call of Duty Cold War would be a good test of both consoles, both handling 4K very well, both handling audio very well uh, and both with the 120 hertz refresh rate also 
they're the they're the mainstays of these new consoles. So they're pretty much neck and neck. I think it's just whether you're an Xbox person, whether you're a PlayStation Five person or not, or both, up to you. But I think either way, you're not going to be disappointed whether you play, pick up a PlayStation Five or an Xbox Series X. Our Xbox Series X review, you can check that out at TechGuide.com.au. Now, in the midst of all of the gaming releases, we had the Xbox coming out first and we had the PlayStation 5 coming out a couple of days later. In the middle of all of that, Apple had an event. They had their yet another event. It was, uh, I think, a 5 a.m. start this time, so a bit more civilised. I think we've, we've gone into Daylight Saving and they've come out of Daylight Saving. So that was like a two-hour turnaround. Normally, it's like a 3 a.m. start to, to watch a, an Apple event. The alarm clock set pretty early there. But this time out, 5 a.m., that was a that was a sleep-in compared to the last events. And this one, as we predicted, uh, the launch here was, wasn't for – well, it was for products, but it was mainly for a next-generation processor. And Apple alluded to this back at the Worldwide Developers Conference back in June. Uh, they said that they are aiming to produce their own silicon. That is now official, and it's called M1. Now, this is the latest rain, This is the latest generation of processor. It's what they call an SOC chip, which is short for System on a Chip. So. To, I want to try to explain this as, as easily, as, as, as simply as I can. An SOC, a system on a chip, combines numerous technologies normally located on different sections of a motherboard into a single chip from a unified memory architecture. So instead of having the graphics processor, the GPU over there, CPU over there, something else over here, this all brings it together in one place. And so what this does, having them in, on the same bit of silicon adds to the high bandwidth, low latency memory. So rather than there's a single pool of memory, rather than copying from multiple pools of memory separated on the motherboard, that thing, that alone improves performance. So the, the biggest challenge to for a processor is offering processing and graphics performance at the same time while offering power efficiency. That That's the, that's, that's like the, the unicorn, the thing that you, everyone's trying to find with developing a processor, it's that magical combination if they can come up with amazing performance but also maintain power efficiency and, and reduce its power demand, then that, that's, that's gold. That, that's the goal. So what Apple's done here, they've actually improved the per watt performance. So what they've done is their performance has ratcheted right up and their power demands have actually come down a fair way as well. So they've achieved this with the M1. Uh, they're calling it the world's fastest eight-core CPU, along with the world's best CPU performance per watt. So if you were to graph on, or if you were to make a graph on one axis is power, on the other axis is performance you'll see that Apple actually ranks pretty well because while it offers high speed and power, it also offers gr offers greater efficiency. So less, less power usage, less demand for power, which results at the end of the day into a longer battery life. We'll talk about the Macs they've announced and, and how that's going to affect those, but that's sort of the basics of this new setup. System on a chip, better performance, better power efficiency, generates less heat, and the result is, like a good, great example is the M1-powered Max, which I'm going to talk about in a second. They wake up instantly from sleep. So straight away, bang, they're on. So normally you, you open up a laptop, the Mac laptop, takes a few seconds for it to wake up and then come to life. M1, instant on, instant wake up. And then, of course, the other benefits are performing these intensive tasks and things like anyone who's ever done 3D animation, 4K and 8K video editing, uh, editing complex photographs, developing games, all these take a lot of power from the processor. You need a processor with a fair amount of grunt to get through the, that workload. And the, the, they are very complex tasks. Now, what Apple is saying, their M1 chip 
just eats that for breakfast. It, it remarkable performance improvement. They're, they're talking up to three and a half times faster CPU performance, up to six times better graphics performance, and up to 15 times faster machine learning performance compared to previous Macs. They also had some disparaging things to say about Windows PCs and how the best-selling uh, PC laptop, the, their Macs eat them for breakfast. They were a bit vague on the best-selling PC. Does that necessarily make it the best-performing PC? That was a little bit vague, but point point made. Yes, they they are very fast. They are very power efficient, and that that's what we're looking forward to seeing in the new Mac lineup. Speaking of the new Mac lineup, minutes after announcing this new processor, they announced three new Macs. And there are no desktops here that you've got, uh, or there is a like the Mac Mini, if you can call that a desktop, but it's mainly, first of all, the MacBook Air, which I think was a no-brainer to have as the first new laptop with the M1 chip. That's got a 13-inch Retina display. Then they also announced the 13-inch MacBook Pro with M1 also. And then they also announced the Mac Mini, which is sort of the headless Mac. It's just like a Mac that you bring BYO display, BYO keyboard and mouse and it powered that. That's the computer as a little smaller unit there. Uh, and again, they've introduced M1 to it. So the 13 inch MacBook Air is up to, they're saying, three and a half times faster, up to five times faster graphics performance. I often get asked, how does graphic, how do graphics perform better? People are a little confused. Graphics performance is improved by none of this new processor improves it and the improvement is seen in a, a much smoother playback much uh, allows much higher frame rates so it, it does look a lot smoother so those graphics intensive games and action movies and things you're looking at it does give you a much better frame rate and smoothness to the image uh, and in terms of performance that's obvious things just just work faster so when compared to previous generations, the M1-powered MacBook Air can do things like export a project for the web with iMovie, for example, up to three times faster, or export photos from Lightroom up to twice as fast, watch more TVs and movies with 18 hours of battery life. So they're saying that this is it's, it's like it's doubled the battery life. Moving on to the 13-inch MacBook Pro, it's up to 2.8 times faster than the previous MacBook Pro, which only came out a few months ago, five times faster graphics performance, and up to 17 hours of wireless web browsing and 20 hours of video playback. So what they're basically saying is they've up to twice they've up to doubled the battery life. So they're saying up to twice the battery life of the previous model. And that means that you can do things like with the performance improvement, you can render a complex 3D title in Final Cut Pro up to 5.9 times faster. You can fl fluidly design these game scenes in Unity Editor, which is this, this complex editor, up to three and a half times faster. Might not sound like much to you, but for the people who use these, these applications... This is like they've just invented the, – it's like the invention of sliced bread. It's huge, the, the um, ability for it to work through. Now, the M1 chip, it's the same chip in the MacBook Air as it is in the MacBook Pro. So people say, well, hang on, how, why, why would I buy a MacBook Pro if the MacBook Air has got the same, the same chip on board? Yes, it does, but the difference is in – and I learnt this during the week – is in the thermal performance – the MacBook Air, it doesn't have a fan, by the way. It's a fanless design, so totally silent. So when the processor gets to a certain temperature, the MacBook Air sort of pulls it back and says, right, let's just have a breather here, and then we'll continue when it, when things cool down a bit. The MacBook Pro, on the other hand, does have a fan. It is, it is silent, has better thermal performance, so it can cool down the processor much faster and better, and hence it'll, it'll continue to perform at that high speed for longer periods. That's the difference. It's like having a car with a bigger fuel tank than the other one. The one with the bigger fuel tank is going to go longer, faster and longer. Similar sort of thing with the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. Over uh, The MacBook, In MacBook Mini also has the new M1 chip on board, three times faster performance, up to three times faster, up to six times increasing graphics performance. So now you can do things like connect it to several displays through its Thunderbolt ports. You can compile Xcode up to three times faster, play 
a graphics-intensive game like Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Remember I was talking about the graphics performance? Graphics-intensive games up to four times higher frame rates. So I can handle that. So that's that smoothness. You can render a complex timeline in Final Cut Pro up to six times faster than the previous Mac Mini, the Intel-powered Mac Mini. So no more Intel in the Mac lineup. They're saying it's going to be a two-year transition. So as soon as they announce an iMac with the M1, I'm putting my credit card down that day because I'm I'm using an iMac right this very second, which I love. But if there's an M1, which I think is going to have a huge improvement over this current model, the Intel-powered model, and you can expect the same thing not only for iMac, iMac Pro, Mac Pro across the board, and then, of course, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, then, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really keen to see how they're going to improve. But they're saying it's going to be a two-year transition. So we've already had three. It's going to take a little while to get the rest cut over from Intel to the M1 chip, Apple's very own silicon. If you want to read more about that story, uh, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, our first review, and these go on sale this week, is the HomePod Mini. Now, this is the little baby brother of the HomePod, which has been out a few years now, and it is probably, I have to say, one of the best sounding speakers, smart speakers out there. It's not quite uh, as uh, in ingrained in the in the customer in in their consciousness as Alexa and the Google Nest smart speakers, but the HomePod's still plugging away back there. It's still uh, connected to Siri. Just had a, a huge firmware update to bring it in line now with the HomePod Mini's new features, which we'll talk about. But uh, I'd say this: the release of the HomePod Mini which is only $149, has, I think, gonna, it's going to attract a lot more people to Apple as a smart speaker option than it had, than they would maybe for Google or Alexa. So previously, the choice was a cheap, a cheaper Google, cheaper Alexa, and an expensive HomePod. Now, there's a cheaper HomePod, cheaper Google, and a cheaper Alexa, so Apple can compete with those, that popular sweet spot of prices of the other smart speakers. So now I think Apple is really in there now as a viable option for many customers. You've got to remember, a lot of customers, they have iPhones, they have Mac computers. So these play hand in, go hand in glove, especially with an iPhone, an iPad, iOS devices, and, and, and Mac computers, the whole bit. And they can also provide the same wireless connectivity the ability to be used as multi-room speakers, uh, as well as being able to access information and controlling your smart devices in your home through the Apple HomeKit app. So I think this, the release of this is going to be, I think it's going to, the HomePod sales are going to soar after the release of this affordable speaker that stands just 8.5 centimetres tall. It's tiny compared to its big brother. Check out our video uh, on uh, techguide.com.au on our review. It's our uh, on our YouTube channel, Tech Guide AU is our YouTube channel. So head over there and support us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do regular video reviews as well as our written reviews on Tech Guide. And you'll see... Uh, I did an unboxing and I do a side-by-side -side comparison of the old HomePod as well as demonstrate all the features which I'm about to talk to you right now as well. Now, as I said, 8.5 centimetres tall. So might, that might sound small, but I've got to say, 
it does still offer an amazingly large sound for such a small device. You're still getting that room-filling 360-degree sound, all your access to all your favorite music, your playlists, your podcasts, audiobooks are just a voice command away. The HomePod Mini has the same mesh fabric coating as the original HomePod and the same available in the same colors, either space gray or white. Uh, that does have a little display on top that, so that you know that it's responding and you know when it's uh, interacting with you, listening to you, or, or playing music as well. Now, the HomePod Mini is also powered by Siri, of course, so the, the digital assistant really can do a lot of things through the HomePod, including uh, having a question answered, making a phone call, setting a timer uh, or an alarm or messaging. Uh, there's a new cool new feature called the called Intercom, which allows you to send little voice messages through to every HomePod in the house, to a single HomePod, to a single uh, iPhone or AirPod in the house. So it does allow you to announce when dinner's ready or you need to leave at a certain time. Whatever announcement you have, you can now, rather than going to the bottom of your staircase and yelling to the upstairs bedrooms, you can now tell everyone, come down, dinner's ready, wash your hands, or be ready to go in five minutes. Whatever announcement you need to make to your house, you can now do it through the intercom. And not only can you use the HomePod itself, the HomePod Mini, you can also you can also make that announcement, that intercom, through your iPhone, and then it'll play through all the, all the HomePods, or even through your Apple Watch. These are included in my video. You can talk into your Apple Watch, and that little bit of audio then gets sent to the other speakers through uh, as in, through the intercom feature uh, and plays on all the other iPod, all the HomePods. And say someone's listening to their AirPods in their bedroom, it'll also a notification will come through, and the and the message will also play through the AirPods also, or just play on your iPhone if you're just if there's not a HomePod in your in your room or your part of the house. Uh, so that that's a great feature off the bat. But I think what a lot of people are going to love is the sound quality and. Under the hood, there's this acoustic waveguide that channels the sound down. It's sort of a down firing, fires down and out from the bottom. And the result is a really nice 360-degree sound. You'll be amazed the, of the sound, the, the, the sound scale you get out of this little speaker. And this is all Apple design drivers. It's got these force-canceling passive radiators as well. Really nice bass, beautiful high frequencies as well. And even at high volume, really nice clean sound, hardly any distortion at all. Uh, and of course, it is you can ask it lots of questions and, and do things like that. Later in the year, there's going to be a new feature called a proximity control, which allows you to hand off music to and from your iPhone to the HomePod. You just got to hold them close to each other. Uh, that's going to be part of a firmware update later this year, I understand. Uh, and of course, it's a home hub. So you can control smart devices, a smart light. I demo that in the video also. You can set scenes. So you might have a good morning scene that turns on your lights, your TV and your coffee maker. You might have a good night scene that turns off all the lights. Little things like that you can easily put together in the HomeKit app. So all of your smart devices that are HomeKit compatible are all there. You can create different combinations, create a phrase then that will encompass all of it, and then you're on your way. It's very easy to set up. So in terms of it being a smart speaker as well, it most certainly does that, as well as all the other things, your audio quality, your, your music, listening to your music, and, and listen, getting information about your day, the weather, uh, all this, if you, you want to know something, you, you simply ask it like you would Siri on any other Apple device as well. So all, all around, I think, uh, a, a great new speaker, the HomePod Mini, only 149 bucks, And I think for that price, it will be worth your while to buy two. Because with two of them, and that's under $300, you can create a left and right stereo pair. So it'll detect when they're near each other and one will be designated the left channel and the other the right channel. You can choose if, you, if that's what you want. You want to maybe put them either side of a, of a sound system or, or, or on either side of your TV or either side of your listening room, wherever you want to go. This will make, it'll be a great result. And under 300, you can get two of these and have a left and right stereo pair. The new Apple HomePod Mini, tiny but mighty, 149 bucks. If you want to read our review and also watch that video, I highly recommend you to do that. You know where to go. You've got to check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, 
most of you know, I've mentioned it many times before on the show, I drive an electric car. I drive a Tesla Model S, and I'm, I'm very interested whenever other electric vehicles are released, and in this case, it is MG. MG Motors has released the ZS EV, which is the first full electric, its first full electric SUV in Australia. Now, what it's doing here, though, is the... The barrier to adoption for electric to electric vehicles for many customers, many new car buyers, is the high upfront purchase price. And Teslas are expensive. I got I, I drive an expensive car, and a lot of people that's not in their budget. They don't they don't want to spend that much money on a, on a car. And the the option of going electric for those customers disappears. But now with this new MG ZS EV compact SUV. It has a driveaway price of $43,990. It's backed by an eight-year, 160-kilometer battery warranty, a five-year unlimited kilometer warranty, and five years of roadside assistance. Now, I should point out that that $43,990, let's call it $44,000, is a lot more expensive than the regular petrol version. So we're talking, I think, up to fifteen dollars to $17,000 more than its petrol counterpart so that's something to keep in mind as well even though that price is is for an electric vehicle of this kind is reasonable and i think competitive now uh, as a choice for customers who want to go electric to buy their first electric car that is definitely worth looking at i think that's something that mg has done very well is convey the fact that uh, they want to make them more affordable and i think they've done that they're, they're uh, gonna gonna do that in in the in Australia and New Zealand, it's going to be available. The uh, MG ZS has a really nice design. It's got a diamond grille, dual color alloy rims as well, uh, and it's got what they call the London Eye LED headlights. Now inside, of course, pretty luxurious. It's got leather effects, soft materials, intricate stitching, premium finish, and also has uh, on the tech side uh, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, a full touchscreen, uh, and a nice sound system as well. On the battery side, it has a 44.5 kilowatt battery, which gives the MG ZS EV a range of, of 263 kilometers. Now, I'll compare that to the battery in my car. My Tesla Model S 75D gives it away. I've got a 75-kilowatt battery in my car, and my range is about 490 kilometres. So nearly nearly twice is what I get from from the uh, from my car. The, the battery is 44.5, mine is 75, which is not quite double, so my range is not quite double. So that just gives you an idea of what sort of range you can get based on the, the kilowatt size of your battery. Uh, and also on the performance side, goes from 0 to 60 kilometres an hour in 3.1 seconds because it's a linear power delivery with electric car, which means instant on, and you're off and running pretty fast. I, I love... Uh, I love showing people the the capabilities of my Tesla when they when they've been in my car and they've never they've, they admit they've never been in a Tesla ever before. That's why I tell them that the headrests on my car are quite high because their head gets pushed back pretty quickly when I put my foot down. Uh, MG does give you quite that kind of snappiness, but it's not bad. Zero to 60, 3.1 seconds. Uh, it does come with a socket that can connect. So you can connect it to everything from a household socket to the quickest 350 kilowatt DC supercharger. So in other words, if it's connected to your household PowerPoint, it's going to be an overnight charge. If it's connected to their DC supercharger, you probably go up to 80% in about 45 minutes. Uh, on board is the MG Pilot, which all has all the safety features. So adaptive cruise control, front collision warning, emergency braking, speed assist, lane departure warnings as well. And it does have that eight-inch color touchscreen, which, as I said, includes Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, six-speaker surround sound audio, sat-nav, keyless entry, panoramic sunroof that covers 90% of the roof. That's pretty cool. Uh, on the safety side, it's got a five-star Euro NCAP safety rating. Uh, has got a very high-strength cabin and torsional rigidity. I'm reading this from their press release. The torsional rigidity of the chassis design. In other words, got a very strong chassis. Uh, 43,990 drive away, electric car, SUV, MG motor. Pretty good-looking car. Not a bad-looking SUV. If you're in the market for your first EV, this could be it. If you want to check it out, you know where to go. Techguide.com.au
you know what I really like? I really like it when a product combines different features. That, that versatility is something that you that you instantly recognise and you you use a lot. Uh, Belkin's done that with their new Boost Charge wireless charging stand and speaker. So it is a stand. So you can stand your phone in the portrait mode or landscape, so upright or sideways. And it's also a speaker. So there's a little speaker built in, Bluetooth speaker. You pair your phone. You can listen to your music. So not only are you looking at your screen, you can hear your screen, hear the device. You might be watching a movie, just listening to music or whatever. Pretty good. So just those two features alone, pretty good. But it is also a wireless charger. It's got a Qi certified, and Qi is, is spelt Q-I, by the way. For a lot of people who have asked me, they, they ask, send me an email, say, C-H-I, where, the, well, I've never, where, the, where can I get a Qi charger? It's Q-I, it's spelt, just pronounced Qi. Uh, Qi certifies wireless charger also on board. So here's what you get. Wireless charger. A stand, so your phone's already always upright. You, you might use the stand to make your FaceTime calls, your Zoom calls, watch a movie, whatever. It's there and, and in position at a nice angle. It's also a speaker, so you can get listening music. And I've got to say, the quality out of the speaker, it's on top of the top of the unit. The quality of the sound is actually pretty good for a small speaker. Uh, you'll be surprised at the quality of this thing. And, of course, it's a charger. So it's sitting there. While it's on this thing, it's charging. And I think a lot of people who maybe have this on their desktop, maybe by their bedside. So as long as this is sitting on that cradle, on this stand, it's charging. Unless it's 100% charging. In other words, it won't charge. But it uses, it's got this, uh, it, it optimizes the power at up to 10 watts to give you the fastest possible charge. But it's also covered by a two year product warranty as well as a 2,500 connected equipment warranty. In other words, if this thing stuffs up your phone or, or your smartphone and works with iPhone, Samsung, any phone that's got wireless charging, Qi certified, if it stuffs it up, if it, if it charges it in such a way that it might do something to your battery or something, you get a $2,500 connected equipment warranty. But Belkin know that their, their, their technology is, has been optimised and is safe and uh, their technology, they, they kind of lead the field in sort of third-party wireless chargers here, so they know what they're doing. But they're still offering that $2,500 connected equipment warranty just for added peace of mind. The speakers at the top of the charging stand, and even with the phone on it, it actually still sounds pretty good. And again, holds the phone at a very comfortable viewing angle, at a nice angle so you can easily see the screen without reflection uh, in either portrait or landscape mode. And also, uh, again, if you're making a FaceTime call, Zoom meeting, and you need to use your phone, very, very handy to use that. It also has a very small footprint, so it's not going to take up a lot of space on your desk, very little space there, but does all of those things. Charges your phone, play your music, and also it provides a stand so you can easily see your screen. How much would, it, would you expect to pay for that? $99.95 is the price, the Belkin Boost Charge Wireless Charging Stand and Speaker, $99.95, available now from belkin.com forward slash au, also JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman. And if you want to see it for yourself, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech God podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, your game, your video calling, and more? And what about if you're doing all of that at once? Well, when you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling, and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our mates at Belkin. We spoke about the Belkin Charger speaker a moment ago. Belkin.com forward slash AU, not only for the stand, cables, batteries, you name it, they've got it. Uh, our Help Desk today, a couple of questions. One, one woman uh, wrote to me saying that her TV is only five years old. 
but she can't load, she can't install the Disney Plus app on her television. Now, that's not unusual. Five years, long time in TV land, uh, and the Disney app may not be compatible with that model. I think it was a Samsung TV she was talking about. But I told her the very simple solution to get around that is to buy the Google, the Chromecast with Google TV, which we spoke about last week. $99 gives you 4K streaming on Netflix, Apple TV, not quite Apple, no, not Apple TV yet, uh, um, Netflix, Disney Plus, which is what she wanted, Stan, all the majors there, and in 4K, and comes with its own remote control, because that was the other part of the question. She said, "My her daughter has a newer TV with a much better, smaller remote control any chance of buying a universal remote control that's easy to use? Well, hello, the Google, the Chromecast with Google TV also has its own remote control. So, and it has a dedicated Netflix button, which is what she wanted. So, problem solved. She's going to get 4K streaming with a remote control without having to upgrade her television. Uh, the other question I had, and it is coming towards uh, students starting thinking about next year, uh, next year's that may be starting high school, they're required by their school to purchase a laptop. I'm getting a lot of questions from you guys, and keep them coming. Happy to help you guys out with suggestions. I had one in particular, a gentleman who was after a MacBook for their son, and they was they were asking. I can't quite afford the brand new one, but they were hoping to buy a refurbished MacBook. Now, there are plenty of places you can buy refurbished MacBooks from the Apple store themselves. Uh, Apple Online also sell refurbished MacBooks. Any of the Apple resellers also sell refurbished MacBooks. And there are some others like greengadgets.com. A lot of these places that that trade, buy and sell phones and other devices, they also sell refurbished MacBooks as well. So plenty of places where you can look and not a bad option. You know that when you're buying it from a place like this, rather than buying it from someone else on eBay or Gumtree or wherever, buying it from a a reputable reseller or Apple themselves, not only gives you that peace of mind that it's in good working order, but you also get a warranty as well on them. They offer, I think, uh, some might even offer a full 12-month warranty, others at least a three-month warranty. So that's not a bad option. If you can't afford the brand new, maybe look for a refurbished model and MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, great choices if your student, if your your child, your son or daughter is looking for a school laptop to use at school. Uh, that's what I use. I'm a big fan of the MacBooks and the and the Mac uh, of the desktops as well. But uh, they're the suggestions if you do want to buy a refurbished version instead of a new one. And that is our show for this week. Thank you for listening. Everything we've talked about, you can find at techguide.com.au. And get in touch with us. We'd love to answer your questions and hear from you. Info at techguide.com.au is our email. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. (laughs) 